sound you heard from the Steelers headquarters on the south side was that of a head coach laying down the hammer in a way I'm not sure he ever had before. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports and this, the newly reborn DK Sports Radio Podcasting Network. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. I've done Daily Shot shows for a few months now, and it encompassed all of Pittsburgh's teams. This isn't that. I've now split them up into three separate shows. If hockey and or baseball is your thing, I invite you to check out the Penguins and Pirates shows that I'm doing as well. The Steelers are still undoubtedly stinging from their first loss, 23-17 to to Washington on Monday evening. But they don't have a whole lot of time to set things right. It's a third consecutive weird scheduling week. I was about to say short week. It's not it, – this is a short one, but the one leading into Baltimore was just weird. <laughs> so it's something different. It presents a different challenge, as does bouncing back from an outcome that you would hope would be really humbling on a lot of fronts for a lot of people. So I fully expected when Tomlin had his press conference with us yesterday to hear all this, you know, usual you know, keeping chins up, blah, 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 everything's positive, going into stadiums, we're looking forward to the challenge and everything. And, and most of that did come. I was not, not expecting this answer when he was asked whether or not he'd consider either changing who calls the plays or how those plays are called. Certainly. And, you know, um, you know, we're open to doing anything that's required for us to find the fluidity that we once had, um, you know, and, and that's just a part of it. Um, you know, we got to maintain fluidity as, as, as players available to you change. And that's one of the things that I've really been focused on. And, and that's really become clear to me is that, you know, we, we just got to become a more solid group. Um, the quality of our performance can't depend on the presence of a Marquise Pouncey or a James Conner or a Vance McDonald and guys like that. And we've lost fluidity since we've missed some of those guys. And to be quite honest with you, uh, that pisses me off because we got to be the type of group that endures regardless of who's available. That's how we construct this group, not only in terms of our acquisition of players, but just development of, men- of mentality and personality. So uh, we got some work ahead of us. Oh, my. Yeah, he went there. You didn't even need to get into the whole answer. It was just right there at the very beginning with the certainly. That is a question that 100 times out of 100 in the past he would bite back on because you're tacitly asking him if he's even partially lost faith in one of his coordinators. And it, it, it's staggering to me that he did that. I'm not hyping it up. Trust me on this, okay? I'm, I'm just doing nothing more than citing precedent for you. Been covering Mike Tomlin through his whole career. Never heard him do that. 
Never heard him do that. I'm not trying to build this into something that it isn't. I think he did that. In fact, I'm sure he did that. What does that mean? That's the harder question. Because if he's saying, I don't believe in the coordinator or I believe that we can get other people involved in the play calling, that's a significant issue unto itself. Because that is taking Randy Feetner and putting him into a position of weakness, whether he's suggesting that Matt Canada, the quarterback's coach, who's got some play calling pedigree to him, you know, would be elevated in some role, or whether or not Tomlin would have more of a right of last refusal, or, or what if the head coach actually is finding an indirect way to address the franchise quarterback? What if the head coach has seen enough of Ben making his own calls at the line, Ben unilaterally deciding when he's going to go no huddle, Ben having something, anything to do with those third and one and fourth and one calls, the incomplete pass to Juju Smith-Schuster and the insane incomplete pass attempt to Anthony McFarland on the following down. Never mind trying to hit tackle eligible Gerald Hawkins in the end zone when all they needed to do was run forward a few inches. If the quarterback has, to a degree, hijacked the process, that's all well and good right up until it isn't. Uh, We all love the story. We love the narrative of, Ben's just taken over, and, and Randy Feetner stinks, but Ben's taken over now, and look at the Steelers go. Wow, Ben should call the plays all the time. Ben actually has the ability to call any play audibly at the line of scrimmage at any time he pleases. It just so happens that this season, and particularly in recent weeks, he's done it way more than he's ever done in his career. You can see that. To an extent, you can see when there's an extra few seconds spent at the line when he's making eye contact with a receiver or a tight end or somebody to get them in motion, to try something different, to move to a different slot. It's not something that's easily disguised. And really, for the purposes of trying to keep the opponent off balance, it's not anything that clues them in. Doesn't matter to the defense whether the coordinator or the quarterback's making the calls. It just matters what the call is. Ben's been doing that. And contrary to some public misperception, Ben hasn't just been doing that on the Steelers' good drives, he's been doing that on all of them. Ben has become the de facto coordinator. Now, he'll bristle like crazy at any such suggestion. He always has. He, he's never liked the, the concept of a quarterback telling the coordinator what to do or letting the coordinator know that he's more important than the coordinator, even though he has actually lived that way for a while. And again, that's not something that's 
out of the ordinary. When you reach a certain status in the NFL, you're going to have more rights. You're going to have more leeway. He has just chosen to kind of downplay that publicly because I think he feels it's bad for the image or he feels like, hey, when I do well, I'll make sure I tell everybody that that was me out there. And when it doesn't go so well, I'll just kind of say, hey, we all were bad. Also very much part of Ben's personality. If the head coach, if the head coach has something to say, there is no doubt in my mind it's going to have to be said first and foremost to Ben. Uh, Randy Feetner can be in the room. Matt Canada can be in the room or the virtual room. But it has to be said to Ben. Ben is the one that has to either understand that this is how it's going to be or ideally just be sold on the idea that, hey, look, we appreciate everything you're doing out there. We appreciate the good part of your calling these plays. We feel like we'd be a better team if you would just concentrate on executing the plays and leave us to do our jobs. Am I taking this too far? You know, you can tell me. I, I, I'm i not a big conspiracy theorist. I, I never have been. I, I'm really, really into some conspiracy-based history like the JFK assassination and so forth. I find these to be fascinating, educational, instructive lessons that we all can learn from. <laughs> I'm sorry, not that much when it comes to sports. Mike Tomlin had a million different ways he could have answered that question, not least of which is not answering it at all. Not what he did. Not what he did. He wanted to send a signal. He didn't want it to come to me or you. He is not really the type to be doing that for PR purposes. He's anything but interested in that sort of thing. And I really don't think he'd be sending it to Feetner. If he wants to say something to Feetner, all he's got to do is say, Hey, Randy, got a minute? Why would he put that out publicly? He wanted his quarterback to hear about it. He wanted his quarterback to hear. This is going to be a fascinating week in Steelers land. Right through kickoff Sunday night in Orchard Park. When we come back, I'm going to talk about all these drops, but maybe in a different context than you'll be expecting. It's not just the offensive coordinator and the franchise quarterback who were called out by the head coach yesterday. It also was everyone the Steelers pay to catch the football. And when I say everyone, I mean everyone. The Steelers have the most drops of any team in the NFL at 34. This is according to Pro Football Focus. 
Steelers have 34. The Eagles are next with 31. Cowboys with 29. And so forth. Deontay Johnson, who might be the strangest case you'll ever see of a drop-prone receiver because he otherwise looks so smooth, so slick, so effortless, and shows spectacular hands. He has 10 drops, more than anybody in the league. 10. Eric Ebron has 6. James Washington, Chase Claypool, Juju Smith-Schuster, and James Conner have 3 each. It's all through the team. It's everybody. There aren't any exceptions. I have been making something of a hero out of James Washington the past few days, but he's on the list too. Everybody's done it. Everybody's had this problem. It's really, really, really hard to explain. But what's not hard to explain was Mike Tomlin's stance that he took Again, just like what we spoke about in the first segment, publicly, that if you don't catch the football, the only solution for that, the only sustained solution, is to put somebody else out there who does. There are a lot of things that football coaches, whether they're head coaches, assistants, coordinators, whatever, at all levels will tolerate. They'll tolerate the occasional mental mistake, uh, physical mistake, getting beaten, getting getting overwhelmed in a certain situation, they do not and cannot, per the culture, tolerate mishandling of the football. That doesn't just apply to fumbling or not fumbling. It also applies to executing the play that is literally in your hands. There's nowhere to run from it. Sure, some drops are a little harshly assigned. But when you see Ebron out there and the ball comes right at him while he's at a total standstill, and you know the play I'm talking about from Monday, and Ben puts it right between the 8 and the 5, and he doesn't even have a Washington defender near him, so he wasn't hearing footsteps or anything, and he just drops it. There's nowhere to run from that, man. There just isn't. So what do you do if you're Tomlin? Because he he blasts these guys and says you might lose your job, but to whom? To whom? Out of the receivers, what can you do? Just kind of uh, hasten the rotation, I guess? You know, whoever isn't dropping the ball stays on the field and whoever is comes off. You know, is that really something? Is that really accountability? I don't know. What you can do is put Vance McDonald out there instead of Ebron. Vance isn't Heath Miller. Uh, He's not going to be that automatic snap-your-fingers third-down safety valve for Ben that he's always loved having, but especially with Heath. But if you throw it to him, he's probably going to catch it. And if he gets it, if you remember way back when Vance McDonald used to be involved in the offense, he's probably going to pick up 
a handful of yards after he does catch it because he's an athletic beast. On top of that, Vance is not just 10 times the blocker that Ebron is. He's 10 times the blocker that Ebron wants to be, cares to be. Somewhere in here, whether it's sitting one of the receivers or sitting Ebron, Tomlin has to put his words into effect. It can't just be that you hear this stuff on Tuesday, so you go out and have a really good week of practice, and then everything's the same when the team runs through the tunnel on Sunday night. Tomlin's got to do better than that this time because this comes after the first loss. He has a chance to have his voice heard a little louder and a little clearer because for the first time this season, what the Steelers were doing actually didn't pay off. When we come back, just one question. At Point Park University in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. All right, it's time for just one question, and that is brought to you by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garbett, Kelly, and George. They represent people who are hurt in car accidents, who filed for workers' comp, who need help with medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG have been AV rated. That's the highest rating a law firm can receive for legal ability and ethics. They've also been designated as super lawyers for over 15 years. That, in that industry, is a rare combination. LGKG has offices in Cranberry, Newcastle, Beaver Falls, Butler, and Elwood City. You can learn more online at lgkg.com or by calling 888-842-5454. Today's Just One Question comes from Keith Carlson in Houston who asks, legit question, might the Steelers be running their offense the way they are due to concerns about Ben's health or his arm? Keith, I'm not going to lie. I've thought about the offense being adjusted toward whatever limitations Ben might have. It's, It's crossed my mind more often than once. Maybe not the way you're setting it up here. I don't believe there's a significant health issue. I definitely don't believe there's an arm issue. If he has an arm issue, plain and simply, you don't see the bullet passes that he's making. You don't see the ball going deep downfield when it does. And it does. It gets there. It gets there. I don't think it's a case of Ben saying, well, my arm is really sore and whatever else here, because then the easy counter to that is, You know, gee, Ben, why do you want to throw the ball 53 times in a game that you didn't trail 
until the final two minutes, as happened Monday night. Can't have it both ways, right? So I, I'm thinking that, no, it, it's not health, at least not in any meaningful way. But, but, I do think there might be an adjustment that's been made to the offense. Oh, boy. I'm trying to think of a nice, safe, inoffensive way to say this. Ben's got the quickest release of any quarterback in the NFL this season. He's getting rid of the ball in two seconds and change. Last I saw, the actual figure was 2.37 seconds. He's basically getting it and flinging it. And we've seen that a lot. We've also seen that this offensive line isn't all that great, and the fact that Ben has now gone three-plus games consecutively without being sacked, you'd have to think it's more about him getting rid of the ball quickly than it is about the offensive line being all big and tough when they can't even be bothered to push forward for a single yard when it's needed. So... A lot of the Steelers' opponents feel like Ben doesn't like to get hit. And I can't rule out, I also can't accuse, but I can't rule out that this is part of what Ben's thinking. He doesn't want to get knocked down. He doesn't want to spend an entire game picking himself up off the grass, getting sacked seven, eight times the way Ben from a few years ago almost loved doing. He welcomed it. That was his type of football, you know, hang in there, let people bounce off you, work for the extra second or two, hope one of your receivers comes back to you and and throws something completely unrehearsed and unscripted his way. I don't see Ben hanging in there a lot. I see Ben getting it and getting rid of it. On the occasions that he has hung in there, for the most part, of late, they've gotten decent results with the deep ball. That's why I want to see more of it. So what's stopping the deep ball? I'm not going to have that answer here. I'm not in Ben's head. I'm not in Randy Feetner's head. I'm not in Mike Tomlin's head. And there's no chance any of them, even as open as Tomlin was yesterday, is going to blurt that out loud for all of us to hear. But something's off with that. Something's off with the inability and or unwillingness to throw the ball downfield. To me, that feels like it should be something that the quarterback could steer in one direction or the other. This one, absolutely. So, yeah... I probably gave you an answer that <laughs> you weren't expecting, Keith, but uh, something definitely to keep an eye on. Thanks so much to everybody for listening today. This show will be back tomorrow. And again, if you're into hockey and or baseball, I've got Penguins and Pirates shows every day as well. Thank you. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your bike, your computer. Your window. Your gun. Safety is a habit. Every day you lock and secure your home, car, and everything you want to keep safe. 
Gun safety and responsible storage are no different and the best way to help prevent accidents, misuse, and theft. If you own a firearm, it's your responsibility to store it safely when it's not in use. Choose a system that works for you. Cable locks, lock boxes, and gun safes are some of the most effective ways to protect your family and keep firearms secured. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure and find out how to get a free firearm safety kit. Visit projectchildsafe.org. That's projectchildsafe.org. If you have a firearm, own it, respect it, and secure it. Brought to you by the National Shooting Sports Foundation and the Bureau of Justice Assistance.